All right, Dave. Rockstar time. Oh, okay. I, I love it when we have the rock stars on. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my my favorite area. This is your wheelhouse. This is my well, wheelhouse. Well, actually, if you could... Are there any rock stars that played for the Cubs, <laughs> have gout... And were in the sound of right, music. They can't drive where they're shit. <laughs> and we're in the sound of music. That would be your that, wheelhouse. That would, that would be. <laughs> that would be the holy grail right yeah. there. Uh, but this is close. We have uh, Lover Boys... Uh, keyboardist oh. Doug Johnson yeah. on, who nice is guy. is a, is a great guy. There's a new Lover Boy song out that it's a promotional song. Right. Right. I asked, it's him. called "Working for Tuesday." <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not sure it's really going to work. It's but. actually called "Release." <laughs> okay. okay, and and he, I asked if we could play a portion of it, yeah. um, and he said yes. It's okay. just a promotional thing. They're not you know selling it or anything. So here is uh, the the song. A little little taste of it. It's called Release. Look at me. Yeah, pretty cool. Oh, pretty good. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. I saw a little air guitar on your side of the yeah. desk there. Well, you know, don't we all kind of need a release? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I'm not an air guitar player. I'm an air bass player. <laughs> anyway, Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, listen to this other fine old pie show. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and my co-host, Luke Costable, each week for the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, the podcast where two regular car guys talk about, what else? Cars. We'll tell you about what we've seen on the roads, what's happening in the industry, and share some great stories about our experiences in the automotive world over the past several decades. We guarantee it'll be fun, informative, and entertaining. It's the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production, on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. All right, he's a part of the Canadian Musical Hall of Fame, a multi-talented musician, keyboard, sax, vocals, harmonica, a founding member of the great band Loverboy. Please welcome Doug Johnson. How are you, Doug? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me today. Now, this is exciting for Loverboy fans. You guys have a new song out. You're embarking on a new tour with two bands that we know well. We're in in the Chicago area here. You've got uh, Styx and Ario Speedwagon, both Chicago area bands. Um, But first, let's talk about the song. It's called Release, and it's the first song you guys have done in a while. Tell us about how it came to be and, and what it's about. Um, I think the sentiment of the song is just born out of, man, we need to just have a release of all of this pent up COVID, you know, sort of uh, energy that we've all been sort of in this state of, um, you know, hibernation. And um, especially with respect to the the live music scene. Yeah. And um, so lyrically, I think that's kind of what, what we're trying to say is like, Oh my God, we need a release. And, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking forward to getting back out there and, um, connecting with our fans again and, and, uh, 
uh, playing our music after 43 years of, uh, of brotherly love. Um, it's going to be a beautiful thing. So a uh, release came out of that. Uh, Paul and Mike were uh, working on some ideas and um, we kind of did it remotely. I mean, I, I put my parts in over, uh, you know, essentially Dropbox and um, they sent me parts and then I'd send them parts back. We go back and forth. So it was kind of a virtual collaborative process. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the end result is kind of cool. Um, ideally we would have been all together and could have, you know, uh, slugged it out like, uh, I don't know if you've been watching the Beatles documentary. Oh, the, my God, uh, the I Disney. love that. Was that the greatest? Isn't that? Oh, what a gift that is. Thank God for Peter Jackson finding all that and putting it together in a kind of a, um, you know, a comprehensive way that you can actually see how these songs are, uh, you know, come to life. Didn't you feel so, like you, yeah, didn't that, it feel like you kind of got to know those guys watching that uh, documentary? It's like, you know, it's one thing to, to I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but it's one thing to be a fan, but it's another thing to sit there in the studio with them as they work through it. Um, you know, and I, they, they are so used to having cameras around them. They felt totally at ease to me. I felt the same way. They um, at first there was a, a bit of resistance, and I don't blame them because it's a very intimate process, right? The, the creative songwriting process, and um, it's like a boiled uh, or a watch pot never boils. You know, like right. it's it, it could probably be very daunting to have that much public inspection of that whole process. So, yeah, good on them for letting letting people see that side of their life, and. Um, my initial sort of um, uh, response when I heard that they had this, that, they, that Peter Jackson had assembled this was, do I really want to watch this? Do I really want to take away the mystique? Because all these years, I've always had these images of my head, what it would be like for them to be in the studio. And now you get to see that. And it kind of challenges what you've created in your own mind. But I must say that it it went beyond what I thought it was. They, they just impressed me as as human beings, as artists, um, and as a, a kind of a brotherhood, they really strove to keep, keep it all together. And, uh, uh, yeah, what a great template for, uh, you know, bands, young bands should, should watch that it should be required watching. <laughs> well, that's an interesting, I mean, it's really interesting to talk to you about this because you have been in situations like this, you're in the studio, you're creating these records that, you know, millions of people here, and, you know, it's not always a uh, smooth process, is it? It's not. No, you have, uh, you know, very different uh, um, kind of vision for the sound and uh, what the message is. And uh, as a result, the uh, the creative tension that comes out of that um, has to be navigated in a way that, you know, you don't want to be hurtful to one another, but you want to make your point. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's tempting. You, you kind of can revert back to kids in the school ground. Like, okay, I'm just going to take my marbles and go home. If nobody wants to, you know, play, play it my way. Um, you have to be very diplomatic and a producer who really, uh, has, knows their metal will probably, um, be able to massage that whole process to a certain degree. And I know because we worked with Bruce Fairburn and he was, um, a great, um, negotiator, a great diplomat who would come in, you know, Paul and I might be at loggerheads over, you know, a, a part that I wanted to put in the song. And he was like, no, they're going to put a guitar part there. Uh, you know, so it's just, that's just an example. Yeah. There might be a difference between Mike and Paul, but, but a lyric and 
So there's like a standoff, and then you kind of go, well, we got to work through this. So, you know, Bruce would come out and say, you know what? I like this, and I like that, and, um, you know, to your point, I think we got to do this. And so he would, he was amazing in his ability to kind of be the, the, the peace, peacekeeper and peacemaker in the whole process. So we really much benefited from his ability to do that. Yeah, and, I, I um, so yeah, so let's yeah. talk about the tour because uh, you're, you're going to make a stop in Chicago. I looked it up here. June 7th at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater in uh, Tinley Park. Uh, have you ever toured with uh, Ario and Sticks before? Is this your first time? We, Yeah, this will be the first time for an extended tour. We've done a lot of one-offs with them over the years, and we've gotten to know them really well. And, uh, you know, when we see them, uh, when, when our paths cross, it just turns into a big hug fest. I mean, it's like, good to see you, man. You're alive. <laughs> you know, because we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, right. You, you know? mentioned 43 and, years. That's a, that's a long yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, we've lost a few along the way, let's face it. Right. And, uh, and, and everybody's, uh, you know, in good, good health, relatively speaking. And everybody's, uh, you know, uh, raring to go. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the, the Chicago show should be really a lot of fun because we will just have, uh, you know, it, 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 because everybody hasn't played for a while, the first shows might have a, a, an edge to them. I'm sure they're going to be great. I mean, right. you know, it, it's going to be great. But by the time we hit Chicago, we should probably be well into our stride and, and it should be a very, very fun night for everybody. Yeah, but, we, um, you know, you mentioned yeah, how, how you become friends with these guys uh you know doing concerts together and you know you're established stars now so you you probably toured with many uh, groups but there must have been a time in your early days when you were first getting started where you were put on a bill with another band that you were like oh my god i can't believe we're playing on the same stage as dot 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 do you have any memories right. like that Oh, absolutely. In fact, the very first show that Loverboy played publicly, this is before we played a bar, a bar mitzvah, a graduation, anything. We had never performed. All we were was like four of us working in a warehouse writing songs. We had a set of drums in there. We had a couple of bass amps because we were kind of going through bass bass players and drummers and trying to figure out who was going to work. Our manager came to us and said, in two nights, I've got you a slot to open up for Kiss. Oh my god! And we're like, what? say, 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 what, what? Wait, what? He said, "Yeah, I got a connection there, and it's sold out. It's fourteen thousand people. You get to play your new songs." And we're like, "Well, nobody's even heard of our band. We don't even have a band. It's like we've got these songs." He says, "No, it's gonna be fine." Your first gig was for fourteen thousand people in front of Kiss. I mean, you know what Kiss fans are like? They're oh, pretty. Yeah pretty loyal and, and, you know, hardcore. So we thought, oh, oh, we thought, okay, talk about the lambs to lions. So uh, we got out there and uh, our manager introduced us as, ladies and gentlemen, the sound of the 80s. This is 1979. <laughs> so how pretentious of our <laughs> manager to just go, you know, we're like, okay, well, let's see how it happens. So we, we whipped into the kid is hot tonight and then we played uh, Turn Me Loose and Lady of the 80s and um, I think we had a working version of working for the weekend at that point too. So we made it through about five songs and then we just went, you know what? 
we've had a good run. Let's just leave it at that. There was we were starting to get pelted a little bit by sponges, and, and so I I stocked up on my toiletry uh, toilet roll inventory that night. That was good. I took a little plastic bag after the show and went home. And went, well, I'm set. I don't have to. I don't have to go to Costco this week, so that works. Oh God, that's hilarious. And uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, so that was our first introduction to the live. Uh, world as Loverboy and um, subsequent to that we, we started playing in, in clubs and uh, had a few uh, corporate shows and that sort of thing uh, early days before we got a record uh, deal and um, and of course that everything changed once we got signed and went into the studio and uh, recorded our first album and went out there with uh, a cheap trick in, in Kansas and uh, and then recorded another one while we were recording well, while we were touring with journey they had escape and we had uh, get lucky and uh th- those are like the, the halcyon days of the 80s yeah rock that would have been like 1982 and um and then after that we started to headline on our own so but um yeah the the live some of the the compatibilities I and mean, we've opened up um we opened up for, for zz top we did a whole tour with them hardcore crowd tougher crowd uh, but we, you know, we managed, we sucked it up and, uh, some nights were better than others. And, uh, yeah, um, I can see your, had, your, really your music is, is, is significantly different than theirs. You know, it's like a, uh, uh, yin and yang sort of situation, right? Well, you know, we had a, it was, it was a lot of fun. They were great guys, really, uh, down to earth friendly, you know, cause we didn't know what to expect. And it was like, man, we're not allowed to talk to them. Not even allowed to look at these guys <laughs> and uh, let's just behave like good little Canadians here. Okay. Let's just <laughs> apologize. Every let's, let's say we're sorry every five seconds and we should be okay. Um, it comes naturally. So it does. It's in our culture. Uh-huh. So, um, so they took to us and, and uh, one afternoon, Jimmy or uh, uh, Billy Gibbons came over. I was had my keyboards for it. was getting, setting it up. He said, Doug, I want you to come into my change room here. I got all these keyboards that I got my friend to bring down. And I was like, wow, okay, great, Billy. Let's do it. So we did our sound check, and I ran over to the change room. And it was like a music store in his change room. He had like 20 keyboards. So we went through every keyboard, and I made notes on which ones I thought would be good for guitar, like, you know, kind of mixing in with guitar and that. And and uh, later that night, we 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 had a after gig party and they're talking about keyboards and stuff like that. So we had a really nice connection. Well, the next record they did, um, they had sharp dressed man and give me all your loving and rough boy and all that stuff. Oh yeah. There. Right. A, and a lot of, a lot of it had a, yeah, they kind of went to a synthy sort of, uh, sound. Um, they had, I mean, they still had that heavy guitar, which was awesome, but, um, it was just interesting that we had toured with them and then, their next album, they they put uh, quite a bit of synth stuff interesting in into the into the mix. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, we had we, you know, we we uh, we did a show in, in uh, uh, Cape. Uh, what the heck was it now? Cape Cod, and some guy uh, started up a Roman candle right in the middle of this gig. It was like a little hockey rink, and it was about seven thousand people crammed into it. Probably way too many people. And and um, this uh, this guy, same guy, threw an M80, which is like a it's like a quarter piece of dynamite. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a, a massive bomb. firecracker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he threw it up, and it detonated about two feet away from my left ear. 
Oh and I was God. deaf in that ear. I was deaf in that ear for a week. And uh, I went and saw a doctor, and he said, it'll come back. It's just, it has to heal. So, But, you know, I was, had, like, tinnitus in that ear for quite a while. <laughs> Jeez. Those are the scars. Those are the scars and flesh wounds we incurred yes. when we were opening up for for ZZ Top. Some night, not all nights, but some nights were tougher than others. And but we survived, and uh, it made us into uh, you know uh, more resilient uh, entertainers. And, and uh, well, you know so that you, was good. You, you you mentioned you know the polite Canadian uh, approach, and you know. Uh, and rock and roll, you don't necessarily uh, combine those two ideas. We interviewed uh, Jim Peterick once from uh, Ides of March and Survivor, and and he was from yeah. a little town near near Chicago called Berwyn, which is just a little suburb. And they had that hit record uh, vehicle, and so they went on tour with Led Zeppelin. <laughs> And he said oh, and they had a party. No. They had a party after the first gig. Robert Plant invited them in. And these are, you know, they were like in high school. They're like high school kids. Oh. They walk into this party, Led Zeppelin, you know, groupies, naked. He said he went into the bathroom and there was a woman uh, uh, urinating on John Bonham. And he's like, okay. <laughs> wow. We are not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that me going to college next year that sounds pretty good <laughs> right exactly but i mean did, did yeah. was it like that for you guys too i mean was it like jumping into the frying pan well you know to, to your point about the uh you know shocking moments in in yeah. rock and roll history we've had a, we've had a few of those i'm not going to go into names or dates or anything like that because you know what what happens backstage stays backstage as far as i'm concerned and uh but you know we had we had lots of fun nobody ever got hurt nobody ever came after us and said oh you guys are bad people and we all had we had a lot of of fun and and we connected with a lot of people i would say that um uh we had uh we had quiet riot open up for us <laughs> Uh, years back, and they were pretty rowdy. They had some good, you know, um, all-nighters uh, on their bus. Yeah, I remember I pulling into into town a few times and seeing uh, seeing them kind of like falling out of their bus and trying to get ready for the show. And then they invariably they would put on a great show. It was just I don't know how they had the stamina to do that. But um, no, we were you know what we we generally we took pretty good care of ourselves because we just didn't want to be all messed up for for the shows i mean we there were exceptions to that but we uh you know we kept a pretty even keel we toured with kansas now they were you know pretty pretty um you know even keeled guys too there was no crazy parties robbie the, the violinist was pretty wild sometimes he was um He's sadly gone now. Yeah, um, I saw but, that. Uh, but he, yeah, he he was he, he loved the party, and um, there was uh, you know people in all the bands that were the partiers, right. and uh, you know you you got to uh, got to see that, but you know a real strata of different personalities in every band. So I bet it's not um, like that anymore, yeah, though. Sure. I mean, you guys have been around. You've you've done it all. You know, you've seen it all. Uh, you. I, I bet the the tours forty years later are are slightly different. Oh well, you know, the, we get picked up at the airport in in these nice vans, and then 
you know, they, they put the footstools down as we're getting out of the van so we don't fall. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we get, we get, we go in, register or all our keys are ready. And, uh, you know, we're really pampered. It, I think we've arrived at this place where, you know, the, it's like we, we've achieved a, uh, almost a kind of a, a royalty status where people just take really good care of us. And we're so fortunate that we have that. And, That's um, nice. You know, we, we, you know, I'm, I'm the, I just turned 64. I'm the youngest guy in the band right. and, um, the average age is, you know, pushing 70 now. So, um, it's just simply not physiologically possible to live the same life we no, did back know. in the eighties, you know? So, um, those are great memories and, uh, but that certainly doesn't, uh, inhibit us from acting like goofy people on stage and we're having fun with the crowd that's for sure well I, you know, we I, know of, I know that you're like itching, regress. itching to get out there. and we had Mike Reno on last year and we talked to him a little bit about you know some of your songs and, and especially working for the weekend and he he was talking about the way he described the audience I was like racehorses banging against the gate eager to get a, a release and when that song starts they do like is that the feeling that you get to that there's something about that song working for the weekend that is such a feel-good happy let's just have some fun song i mean do you ever get sick of playing that does does the crowd react the same way every night it the, the crowd does react the same way every night they're waiting for it and when they hear that cowbell yeah, it just ignites. It's just like they're combustible, and it just this fire of excitement rages through the crowd. Even, you know, I look out in the audience, and we have a lot of younger people coming to our shows now too. Like I would imagine, maybe some of the children of our fans now, yeah. and um, and and people that are just curious that have never seen the band, and they, as we go through our set, you kind of see people going, "Oh, oh <laughs> that's the, theirs oh, they, too. That that's them." <laughs> Oh, for God's sake, listen to that. And and so we're like, yeah, that's what we did. And um, Yeah, you guys had, so you guys had working, quite a few hits. Yeah, well, we do working for the weekend, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're, they're rocking out. And then uh, we come back on stage, and we do, you know, 11 every minute of it. And they're like, say what? You guys, <laughs> oh, you know, so there's this kind of, uh, you know, surprise and uh uh, beyond expectation uh, in the crowd sometimes from the younger people that have no idea that we, you know, have this legacy of this catalog of songs that that they probably heard but never really knew who who the artist was. So, do you have a favorite? That's fun. That's fun to that's. Um, well, for me, playing "Take Me to the Top" is always a lot of fun because right. um, of this of the synth synth you know, aspect of that song. And then they give me a nice uh, extended solo where I come out and I play a sax solo and then I do a keyboard solo. So that's kind of an I, me, me, I band, uh-huh. uh, I, me, me, I song. And um, so that's fun. It's a very, it's it's fun for me to, to get out there and play. Well, I know, also uh, love playing. Yeah, no, go ahead, please. Well, I just think, in, uh, you know, a lot of musicians end up moving to New York or LA or Nashville, but, you know, you're, you're still in, in, Canada, you're Van- Vancouver, uh, you, it, which right. is a beautiful place. I've been there. Uh, is is that the reason that you stayed there, or is it just it's just home and and you don't need to go to those other places? 
I think he nailed it right there in that last last comment. Um, it's home. I've got four grandkids now, and uh, this last two years has been awesome to be able to drop them off at school, see them growing. Um, my mom is still alive. She lives, you know, a couple miles from here. It's this is my tribe. This is where I live, and um, I can do everything I need to do uh, from here. I. I work on some film things and some TV shows. I write soundtrack music and I've been doing that quite a bit while I've been hunkered down here uh, during this uh, COVID, uh, you know, hibernation. And uh, I would have to say Vancouver is my, is my home. Whenever I come home, and there's some, some cities though that I absolutely love going to. I mean, um, my wife often looks at my itinerary and goes, okay, I'm going here. I'm going here. <laughs> and Chicago is one of them. Um, and I'm not just saying that to blow smoke. We, we love Chicago, especially in the summer. It's just like, man, that's such a great city down, down by the tower there. It's oh, yeah. just magic. Yeah. And then, um, and then New York, you know, New York city. And, uh, and, uh, we really like, uh, like when we're playing in Northern Florida too, like, uh, uh Augusta up in that, or, or um, Fort Augusta, that neck of the woods, and then you're up in Savannah. She's a big fan of, um, you know, some of the authors that have written books, Midnight in the Garden of Eden. And oh, yeah, that that's thing. a so, beautiful town. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really, it's, well, there's so much, you know, there's so much more tangible history uh, on the East Coast compared to the West Coast. You know, right. it's just really different. So, but yeah, we, we Vancouver's home, and I, I think I'll probably, uh, you know, stay here until uh, the light goes out. So, well, you're, you know, you're one of the great keyboard players. Uh, you really are. Um, if you were well, thank to you so much for that. put together your your Mount Rushmore of rock and roll keyboard players, who in who are the guys that you look up to? Oh, without question, I would put a guy named Keith Emerson at the very front. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he um, he basically popularized the use of the synthesizer. Um, when they had their first single come out, uh, I think it was 75, maybe, uh, Lucky Man, and the solo at the end of that was just absolutely groundbreaking. I mean, there was Wendy Carlos, um, it was Walter Carlos, and then they she changed to a, a, a woman, and and now she's happy as Wendy, and she had a great record, which really inspired me um, to get into synthesizer. It was called Switched On Bach, and I'm being that I was a big, uh, happy student of Johann Sebastian Bach, um, she didn't a synthesizer adaptation of all my favorite box songs. So that really whetted my appetite for synthesizer music. So um, I had a buddy of mine who was a brilliant uh, engineer kind of guy, and he built me a couple of synthesizers um, from scratch. He mail ordered a whole bunch of oscillators and, and voltage regulators and that sort of thing. We built a sequencer and a synthesizer. And so I, I would listen to, uh, you know, so oh, getting back to the Mount Rushmore, um, I would have to say, um, uh, you know, Keith Emerson, Rick Wakeman's in there. Yeah. Um, you would have to put also, um, oh gosh, crossing over to fusion. I mean, you know, Chick Corea, uh, cause he was a great, so Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Um, mind you, now you're getting into more jazz, but yeah, absolutely. Keith Emerson, Rick Wakeman, uh, 
John Lord from um, Deep Purple, another brilliant, you know, rock keyboardist. Um, Eddie Jobson, he was with the, with UK, played violin too. Um, and the list goes on. Now, now the now Mount Rushmore is starting to get a little crowded, but I'd be happy with those four. <laughs> yeah, I would too. There is more to come with our guest on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview right after this. We'll be right back. I am Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. And on Back to You, our podcast, we do all kinds of things like, how would you describe it? We do nitpicky things sometimes, like how come you got headphones on and I don't? Because I'm the star of the show. Well, see, that's up for uh, debate and deliberation. And uh, a lot of the show is about who gets top billing and last word. Well, we'll find out on the next Back to You with Howard Sudbury. And Steve Baskerville. See ya. Bye. Back to You with Howard Sudbury. Barry and Steve Baskerville. An OPI show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved a better place. Radiomisfits.com. We are back with more Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Doug, I yeah. appreciate you, you taking some time and uh, hopping on the show. Uh, we're going to come out and see your show for sure when you come to town. Uh, I've already talked to the wife about it. We're going to make some time and go see it. And you know, well, reach out to us, and, and we can set you up, my friend. That's uh, that, I'm happy to do that. I will, I will, I will do that. Um, yeah. But if people want to follow you, what's the best way to do that? Well, um, of course, the loverboyband uh, dot com that has all the latest information about where we're going, what everybody in the band is doing, and and uh, uh, so that's a good place to start, and then. Um, I have my own website called DougJohnsonMusic.com, and uh, I've got samples of some of my classical music that I uh, wrote. I, I did a classical record a few years ago with some very talented players from the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra, whom I hired to um, play this uh, this, cla- this classical music, much in the vein of Chopin and Beethoven, Bach, and wow. Debussy, and and all that. It's called uh, Notes to Self, and um, it's all original classical music. And so that's, that's on my site. You can get it on Spotify too. So yeah, there's, there's things to listen to and to look at and to read and, and um, yeah. And, you know, feel free. All Check right. it out. Well, best of luck on the new song and best of luck on the tour. I hope everything goes great. And, uh, and the, the world is itching for live music. So please provide it. Aren't we all? I am there, man. We are there. We're ready to fulfill. Thanks, Doug. So, thank you. Thanks for your time. Take care, man. Have a good one. All right. Not, he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a nice gentleman, too, on top of it. I all. saw them, God, 1982, maybe, at yeah. Circle at U of I. Oh, did you really? Yeah. It was like me, my friend Paul, and... Nine thousand girls. <laughs> yeah, the chicks, we had free. We had free tickets. The chicks dug them. <laughs> yeah. Chicks dug Lover Boy. Uh, well, thanks very much, Doug, to be for being on the show. Special thanks to our executive producer, also Tony Lasana with OPIShows dot com. OPI is hippo backwards. O P P I H Shows dot com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again soon with a brand new episode of Venusia Men's Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. 
Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. I hope you uh, tune in again next week for another episode of... That's you, Dave. Oh, Minutia Men. Minutia Men! Thank you. Time now for Rick and Dave to both share a story or two about things going on in their lives. Involving the kids, the wives, or both. And now, Rick and Dave. I just pressed the wrong button. <laughs> Uh, that was a that was the wrong exit. Uh, <laughs> hang on, maybe this is it. Time now for a collection of cub geekness. No, this is too. just one bad century with Rick and Dave. Okay, that's also incorrect. <sighs> hey, Rick. Yeah. Um, before we do our next show, yeah. I want you. I want you to read a book. It's called the Radio Producers Handbook. <laughs> Okay, um, it's written by I can't remember the guy's name, but maybe that'll help with some of the technical problems that we had during the show. Okay, <sighs> you know you shouldn't be putting me in charge of the all the technical end of it. That's the that's the key. That's the problem here. You wrote a textbook on how to do this. Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits podcast network. RadioMisfits.com. <laughs>